What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Real Estate Q&A, February 10th edition. My name is John Papaloni. And my name is Todd Wabi. We are going to be answering your questions. So if you have any questions, put it in the comments. We will see it and we will be glad to answer anything you may have, whether it's real estate, investing, or even marketing, if you're another realtor watching. Because we do, I know we, our audience is a lot of uh, realtors watching us as well. So I am excited today. We've got 10 unique questions. It's going to be uh, a fun time, a fun day today. So you want to start off with question number one? Sure. Um, I'm renting. I'm trying to rent a place in Oakland. I think things are going well. But every time I bring up the point that I have a pet, I seem to lose the place. I'm, I'm getting quite, quite tired of this. How can I find a place and not have to get rid of my dog? Should I lie about this and then bring the dog after I move in? I heard it's illegal for landlords to not allow pets. Which is very interesting. And yes, technically it is illegal for landlords to not allow pets. I mean, within reason. I mean, if it's illegal in Canada, you can't bring it. But I mean, like you're not going to bring a draft to the house. But I mean, for a dog or a cat, which, you know, most sane, normal people are talking about when they say pets, um, technically they're not supposed to, but it is a preference. I, there are exceptions, right? If uh, the owner has an allergy to pets that, or you're in a condominium that has condo bylaws that prevent, that, uh, prevent certain pets, those are the times that is illegal because you're infringing on other people and therefore it allows the laws not allows laws do not allow you to have pets if it's in the declaration. Um, aside from that, they can't really restrict pets, but we all know once you put a pet on the application, chances are if they don't want pets, they're going to move on. Um, in terms of should you lie, I can't in good conscience tell you to start lying about this stuff. Um, there's going to be people out there that are going to be fine with that. I think you got to go search out there and see what landlords are fine. And maybe what you should do is call the realtor on the other end before you go see the place and see if they're going to be fine with pets. So at least this way, you're not wasting your time going to see a place that's not going to accept you anyways. Um, that's my take on it. And also you might get with a landlord that they, they own pets themselves and they like pets and they, they won't have any issues with that. It's just uh, maybe a few tries and it will work. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's the thing, right? So it's about being prepared. Don't just go randomly seeing a place with your pet because you might come into this, this uh, problem as well. So, but there are people out there that love pets and that are willing to um, allow pets in. So I would just get the uh, do your due diligence before you go see the place. So question number two. I am seeing the housing market is out of control. I heard one agent brag that a house sold for 780000 more than asking. How can this be possible? We have seen the market go out of control in the past, and then the government came up with the stress test, and the market became reasonable again. Do you think the government is going to come up with something to slow this market down, or is my kids doomed in terms of being able to buy the first home? Should we buy a home now or wait to see what the government does, considering it's an election year for the province of Ontario? Um, very interesting point in terms of the 780000 over. It is a little uh, crazy out there, I admit that. Um, in terms of waiting or buying, I think everyone's going to have a different perspective. Uh, in terms of, it's one of those things that, is there a possibility that the market could slow down naturally? As more housing becomes available, that is a possibility. Again, none of us have a crystal ball. Um, I suspect that when the interest rates go up, the qualifications are going to go down a bit. So that may contribute to a bit of a slowdown. Now, let's be honest. If a house is worth 1.5, it's not going down to 700000 If we do have a slowdown, that 1.5 might become 1.4 but at least there's opportunity um, but there's no guarantee that that's going to happen so it's one of those things that if you're buying it as a second property and you're not really sure because you're buying it for your daughter you're buying it for your kids or whatever um, 
wait to, you can wait to see what happens with the election and see what goes on and see if there's any changes because I'm sure there's going to be some uh, regulatory changes. I mean, just already from what I've heard. Um, even uh, Doug Ford has already said that he wants to open up more land and open up, uh, remove a lot of restrictions, which is what's causing the uh, shortage of inventory because people are not selling and there's no land to build because they've all got red tape and restrictions on them. So if he opens it up, that'll create more opportunities. That may help our, op- our situation right now. So I suspect he's going to do something. This co- current election is going to be a very, very interesting one. And the big topic around this election is definitely going to be housing. So if you're not in a rush and you're buying for your daughters or your sons or, or whatever, or an investment for a rental property, then it's all right to wait. Because even if it goes up a little bit, it's going to be marginally in comparison. If you're buying because you need to move in, then you're going to move in no matter what. Just buy when you're ready. Don't worry about it. Because uh, over time, it's a long, like, real estate isn't one of those, uh, I bought today, went down, oh my God, I shouldn't have bought, I should have bought the day after. It's nothing quick like that. This is slow progression over a long period of time. So even if it takes a bit of a dip now, within five years, you're back. And then within 10 years is when you make your profit. On average, by history, real estate has doubled every 10 years. This madness has made it, brought it to every seven years, but that won't last. We know that. So go by the history, and history is every 10 years. So as long as you're willing to hold on to the property, it does not matter. If you're going to have to flip it, then obviously that's a concern. That's my take on it. What do you think? I think right now is, um, we're, we're facing very low um, inventory level. Like, uh, it's been the lowest since, I guess, 20 years so far. So, so maybe if we're not in a rush, it's, it's maybe to get uh, a month, uh, like March or April, things are going to get more listings. Uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of realtors and myself. We have like, listings coming up in the spring, preparing them for it, getting them ready in the spring. So there will be more options as we go into spring. Well, if someone like has to buy it now, so I think like it's just like I said, it's a long-term uh, investment. It's not about goes up or goes down three percent. It's more a long-term goal. So it won't matter if you bought now or a month later. It's 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 a long-term investment. At the end of the day, five years from now, it won't matter. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely. So I want to buy a Monty. I want to buy a house or a condo. I'm working downtown, and like many, I'm working from home. I do expect to have to go to back to work soon. Company sent out an email with an approximate timeline of end of March. I realize my budget condos are my only option for the city, and even close to the city. With that being said, I know I'd have to move to West, to Brantford, Hamilton, Niagara, or East Oshawa to be able to afford something other than a condo. My question is, would I be better off to buy a house outside the GTA to rent out as an investment property while staying where I am now and continue to pay rent? My current rent payments are $1,400, and I figured out that I can probably collect $2,100 from a rental property in the West and build equity at the same time. My other option is that I buy a condo close to where I am now to live in it. I would, uh, I would buy outside the city and do the commute, but knowing myself, I would probably not want to do that for long. So therefore, I'm debating between the two options I mentioned, which are two options you mentioned, I'm assuming, is the uh, buy a condo in the area you're in or um, buy a rental property outside the city. Now, in terms of the figures, obviously a real estate professional will be able to help you. I mean, I'm sure the uh, groundwork you saw came out to around 2,100, but sometimes that could just be a certain pocket. You could be across the street and have different, different dynamics to the home and have different options. Sometimes you may be able to get more, less, whatever. But I mean, hey, we're, you're, you're at the starting point, so I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I think everyone's going to have a different perspective on this one, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. Um, in terms of uh, what I believe, like if you were paying twenty-three, twenty-four hundred dollars of rent, then I would just say just buy the condo and move in. 
But because you're unique right now and you're only paying $1,400, which you're not going to find if you had to move, I would personally, my own opinion, what I would do is I would buy the investment unit, collect the rent because the rent will pay for your mortgage. Appreciation would still be there. And then you're still living in the city, which is close to work. So even if you had to go back, it wouldn't be an issue. That is my personal perspective, but either option is not uh, wrong. I mean, Sad, what would you do? I, I totally agree regarding the uh, low rent that they're paying. So both both options are, are great. They're both investing in real estate, but because the rent that they're paying currently is fourteen hundred, that's no longer available. Um, most in most cases, I would I would suggest to just keep keep getting that low rent. <laughs> And invest somewhere else, and 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 let the rent cover the cost. Even if the rent was not enough to cover all the payment, you gotta you, you gotta look at it from a perspective of principal and interest. So the rent is is enough to cover the interest and the property tax, but might not be able to cover uh, the principal of of the the payment, the monthly mortgage payment. That's okay because that's considered even if you're like negative cash flow every month. $300. That's fine because that's $300 in, a, in somehow of a saving account. So which you will get later on if you sell the property or you move or you pull out equity or something. So so just like I, I would do exactly what John said. I'll just keep this $1,400 rent, stay where I am, invest somewhere else and, and just rent it out for, for no years and see how things go. Maybe in, in the future you, you can move in there or you can sell it and buy something else bigger and, and closer. But at least you got into the market, you stepped in. Absolutely. Now, the other reason I said what I did, aside from what we just state, stated, is that I believe that homes in general, like if you have a detached home or a townhouse, percentage-wise, it's going to appreciate more than the average condo. And with that being said, I would rather have a rental property that's going to appreciate more percentage-wise because if I needed to cash out later for the equity to buy later, I think I would cash out with a bigger number from what I'd paid and from what I appreciated with. So with that being said, like you said, even if you have a little bit of a ca negative cash flow, now I don't think you will with the prices out there. I think you might, even if you have $100, $200, like you said, some of the principal is being paid. The taxes are definitely being paid. The utilities are paid by the renter. Um, Interest is being paid. Interest is being paid by the renter. So it's almost like, basically, it's almost like you're buying a house for $300 a month, right? Like, and you're getting the appreciation. And that $300 is, is being saved somehow of a saving account. Yeah. Which you will get if you sell the property. Right. And the reality is I, I, there's options out there where you won't be in the negatives. So you got to look at what's available. But again, I really believe that townhomes or detached homes or semi-detached will, will appreciate a lot faster and a lot higher than the general condo. True. Even considering the fact that the condo is in the city, right? Like I've invested in both. I've had the detached, I've had the town and I've had the condo. Now, when my condo made 50 grand, the other ones made 75 to 100. So that's been my own experience. That doesn't necessarily mean it's tried and true 100% of the time forever because we don't control the market. You know, it's not like a predicting and say, hey, a condo doesn't go up as much. All of a sudden, the market says, you're right, let's adjust. It doesn't work that way. But history has shown that condos don't appreciate as much. On the, con on the other hand, if you were not considering the investment property and you just wanted to buy, I wouldn't say do not buy the condo because of this. Because at the end of the day, money in the bank is being eaten up by inflation. We had 8% inflation this year, which basically means your $100 that you have put in the bank is only worth 92 compared to last year. So you're still better off to have it invested in a condo over having money in the, in the bank, regardless of, the, of, of, of what I just said. So that's my take on it. I think uh, we can move on to number four. Let's see. There's okay. No questions from online. Uh, number four. You want to read? Sure. I'm in the process of buying a new construction townhouse that will be ready in 2024. I've already bought a condo in Lincoln and will be ready by February 2023. My intent was to assign the condo. I want it for investment. 
house when I'm ready. I would tell the house I lived in and use the equity to raise the new home. Is this the best option? I thought about closing on the condo and staying there until the new townhouse was ready. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, hold on. I Yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yes. Um, let me go back to the question myself as well. I am possibly putting the construction ready 2024. I've already bought. Okay. Yeah. This is actually a live question that I actually, uh, I, this is, happened with a client of mine. I'm not going to mention names. Um, okay. So yeah. So what ends up happening is here in this, in the circumstance, the person is living in a, one of the townhomes and rented out the other townhome. Um, they're buying one in a different region, like, you know, um, which is closer to work. Um, it's going to be new construction and they bought a condo in Milton that hasn't closed yet. The original intent was to assign the condo and never move in. And then now she wants to use the equity from both the sale and selling her rental property towards the new construction. Now in this circuit, and then obviously the person was going to move into a rental unit in the meantime and rent out the current property he lives in as well. In this circumstance, you do not want to rent out your primary home. Because in Canada, at least I can speak for Ontario. For Ontario, when you have a primary home, you do not pay capital gains taxes. So had, if this person were to rent out her primary home, it would no longer be considering, considered the primary home. So therefore, now it's subjective to capital gains where it was not previously. So my suggestion was, since you're planning to sell one of the homes no matter what, you're already going to pay capital gains on the rental unit you have. Let it be, let it be rented. So my, my suggestion is stay in your primary home. When the condo in, in uh, Milton is ready, move into that condo. Make that your primary home after you sell the current home you're living in. Because you're going to use the equity from that to pay for the new house anyways. So by the time you move in, you move into that condo, you'll be in there for at least a year before the new one is ready. Because now you've been there for a year or more. That condo is now your primary home. Again, you do not pay capital gains on that as well because it's your primary home again. So now you're moving into the Halton one and that becomes your primary home. So essentially, you flipped houses legally because it's where you intended to move. It wasn't a funny business for lack of better description it legitimately is something where you moved into you've managed to cash out your equity avoid the capital gains tax and on top of that you're not paying anybody rent while you have all this going on versus paying someone rent somebody else rent and then paying taxes on everything you have that's just my perspective yeah yeah i, I agree with you that's the the, the... Uh, the way to save on capital gain taxes is to live in the property for a minimum of one year. So just like you said, if, if they sold their current home and moved into the condo and lived in it for one year, that's, that becomes a primary residence. And then, and then if you needed cash or equity, then you can sell the condo after you lived in it one year and also get the capital gains from that and then purchase the, 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 the last property, which is in 2024. I agree 100%. That's actually a smart. <laughs> that's a very smart way. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, in terms of, uh, you know, people watching, I want to say, hey, Jason, how's it going? Thanks for tuning in. You know, things are good. Happy you're uh, here. Appreciate you. Um, going back to the uh, questions. Number, um, five. number five. Since buying a house today feels out of reach, I had an idea of investing in real estate in a real estate company that buys property, renovates it, rents it out, and pays out shares of the profits. Is this like me buying a home with friends and doing the same thing? Um, my answer to that is yes and no. It is the same in the way that you get percentage of profits on something you invested, but it is not the same as owning land. As owning it because you're relying on someone else's control and someone else's decision because you will have no input on it. You're just passing your money away. It's almost like a, the stock market. You're putting money into some form of a, kind of a stock, but in this case, it's an investment property with hope it brings a return. 
Now, when that person decides to sell or whatever the agreement is, they sell, you have no say, even if it is a bad time to sell. Um, where if you invest with your buddy, there's a world of options. If uh, your buddy's willing to sell, ready to sell and you're not, you could buy the person out. If uh, you're wanting out and they're not, they could buy you out. Yep. So there's more options. Um, you can make it a short-term flip. You can make it a long-term flip. You can keep it forever. Again, it's always in your ball court where when you're investing with somebody else, whatever happens is to their judgment and you don't have a say. So it could be as volatile as the stock market doing it that way versus having, you know, your control in it or your hands in it. And I just want to add one more thing to it. When, when you are investing with your friend in real estate, so basically you, you have a percentage of ownership of the property or land or whatever. When you're investing in a company that does real, like invest in real estate, you, what you own technically are shares. Stock shares. So you don't own property, you own shares, just like any any company, Apple, oh, wow. which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But I just wanted to point out that investing in, 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 in real estate is, is owning real estate or being a part owner of real estate. Now there's, I, I, I would recommend putting some money aside and then yeah. using and, and yeah. invest in that company that does real estate because they, they bring, uh, uh, I, I, like, I personally know one of them, they, they own real estate around Ontario. They, they have great dividends and they pay it out every month. Um, so there's nothing wrong with putting some money aside in that company, but that's not owning real estate. Yeah, that's true. And again, you know, that, that's what it comes down to. You, you don't have the investment. You're under somebody else's control not your own, but there's nothing wrong with investing in it. But if you had to choose between investing with your friend or then I would just invest with your friend. But if it's invest with your friend and then it's an opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Number six, I've read this one before, you know, before now and um, very, very interesting and it's creative. Um, I don't have enough money for a down payment, and I had an idea. My bank is willing to give me an RRSP loan at 2.49% interest. So I heard that you can use RRSPs towards your down payment. So my thought was to take as big of a loan as possible for the RRSPs and then use the RRSPs for my down payment and make the monthly payments on the loan until it's paid off. This way I have enough to put down on a new home with RSPs and the cash I saved up. Um, again, very creative. Mm -hmm. I don't know the legalities of that. Yeah. But what you do have going against you is what's called a debt-to-service ratio. And what I mean by that is that even though you can use the RSPs, now pretend the bank's willing to give you 50 grand of RSPs and you're allowed to have 50 grand of RSPs. What ends up happening is your equity and your debt are equivalent. So your debt to service ratio really isn't good. It's still, you're still behind. Now, when they qualify you for a mortgage, they're going to use that debt against you. But they're not gonna, but an RSP in terms of uh, equity towards the mortgage isn't gonna be rated as what much as the loan is. So it's gonna be more of a negative effect than a positive effect. But I don't even know if that's a, if they'll illegally allow you to basically use money you borrowed towards an investment as a down payment for a house. That one you'd have to talk to a mortgage broker on. Um, as creative as it is, I don't think it's feasible. Um, again, but I don't know the legal behind that. A mortgage broker would probably be able to answer that a lot better than I can. Yes, that's a question for a mortgage broker to be honest, not the at the same time, they have to come up with two payments every month. So yeah, for the mortgage payment plus this this loan payment, which is fine, but just to take that into consideration. Yeah, which is also why I said that they probably won't loan you as much, even if it is legal. So it is what it is. Um, that's my take on it. I want to read the next question. Yes, sure. I'm a new real estate agent. I did. I did what I was told and talked to everyone I know about my business and real estate. I constantly hear words of encouragement and someone close to me said, that's great. You're going to do really well. Then a couple of weeks later, 
that same person said they were getting ready to pack up their house to move into their new house. Well, this this isn't the first time something like that has happened. I feel I get the words of encouragement, but then brushed off. I'm doing, I'm I'm doing something wrong. I just feel defeated some days. What can I do differently? So what they mean here is that they, they were supposed to sell a house and then that person... No, no. What happens is that here, what they're saying here is that basically, you know how we got our license, yeah. went to the brokerage. First thing the brokerage said was talk to everybody you know and let them know you're in real estate. Yes. Right? So that's exactly what happened. He told everybody. And everybody, you know, got the words of encouragement. All upset. You're going to do very well. Good for you. Oh, you're going to crush it. I, you know, I'm so happy for you. And then they want to buy a home with somebody else. <laughs> so, and this is based on what the person said here, this has happened more than once. So they want to know, are they doing something wrong? Like they, they feel like defeated as in they feel like giving up. Like they don't know, you know, what can they do differently? What are they doing wrong? Or is it, uh, you know, no, not them. I mean, I'm sure it feels like it doesn't feel the best. I can, I can imagine the feeling being in that situation, but it's not. First of all, it's not personal, and then it's it's not meant to happen. So that person, he could have made arrangements with that realtor way before you guys talked, way before he called you. Oh, you're doing it. You're gonna do great and everything. So maybe he has some kind of arrangement. Maybe they bought a property from them before. They have some kind of a. Uh, like an incentive or a discount, so that doesn't have to be that you are not qualified to sell a home. It's just it, just, it, it, it wasn't meant to happen. And uh, yeah, that's that's all fine. If, if they chose to work with someone else, that's there's nothing wrong with that. And then you you, you just keep, but networking is is the key. You just keep trying to find everyone and uh, move on because that's gonna happen. Even if you're ten years into the business, that's still gonna happen. Just not to be surprised. Yeah. Because it, it, you don't know people's plans and arrangements. We, we don't know that. And Sometimes the, the last minute, uh, they, like the in-laws have, have have their own realtor and they kind of be like, hey, we've dealt with this guy. It's just not It's not personal. It's nothing, nothing to do with you being new in the industry. It's just the, the, the time is not, it's not good timing. And that's fine. Right, now going to what you were saying, right? Yeah. They could have had this arranged even before you told them they had a license and they already could have already been looking. Now, especially by the timeline mentioned in the question, you know, they were packing for the new house within two weeks. Chances are, by the time you told them you were a realtor, they've already bought. They just probably felt awkward when you told them they were a realtor and didn't bring it up. So, because usually, most times, you don't buy a house and move in two weeks. It's usually like a month, two months, three months later. Yeah. So chances are the deal was already done long before you get, told them you were a realtor. Or the arrangement was done. Like, yeah, yeah. They already made it, like they signed a buyer representation agreement with a realtor before you, they met you. Yeah, and sometimes, sometimes there's other commitments. Again, sometimes it could be, as an example, it could be a group of 15 of you that you know, hang out. Three of you are realtors. Which one do they choose? No matter what they do, there's going to be somebody who's not happy. Yeah, um, could be also could be something else is going on behind the scenes that have family involved, and the family's making the decisions. And what I mean is like it could be parents. Maybe parents are contributing, you know, towards the new house and saying, "If I'm contributing, I want my realtor in there, so I'm involved." That's a possibility. You don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, and it could be anything. Now, I mean, look, I think this happens at least once. To all of us, if not more. Yeah. So it's not always really personal. Sometimes yeah. there's, there's things behind it. Like it happened to me. And I remember one time, I'm not going to mention who, but a even a family member. I remember I was in the business and everybody knew I was a realtor. I was doing the same thing, going around, telling everybody I'm in the business. And this even happened. You know, I was already in the business for two and a half years when this happened. I remember I logged on to Facebook and I saw a friend of mine who's a realtor as well and said, sold my first commercial property. I'm looking, going, congratulations, this is great. And I look, and I said, I know that building. It was a family member's building. So my own family member called somebody else. Now, there was reasons for that. But the point is, imagine the shock of looking at that and saying, oh, wait a minute. So we've all been through it. It's not personal. Right, so and I, I don't believe it has to do with being a new agent. 
No. If it's not meant to happen, even if you've been in the business five, ten years, it's not going to happen. And sometimes mm. somebody's about, like you said, about two, three homes with somebody else already. Where they don't want to switch because they don't say, hey, you know what? You did a great job, but I'm going to another friend. They've been using somebody. They're comfortable. That person knows their process. That person I, I knows went through that personally. And my, like when someone was very honest with me, he's like, listen, I, I've, I've worked with this winter. I like, I like working with him. I enjoy um, I'm, I'm more comfortable working. I said, great. Then perfect. I wish you best of luck because, because they're being honest. You know, like, yeah, it's better than that. It's better that they're honest than you uh, get invited to their, uh, to their uh, housewarming party and you had no idea anything was going on. Yeah. Right? So, you know, at least honesty is better. Now, the other thing, what can you do differently? Just get to know more people. And, and another point, just to make this from a negative to a positive situation, that same person who bought with someone else, just tell them congratulations. Because when you approach them this way, the next time they hear of they need a referral, they're going to think of you because you took it in a very positive way. And, and, and I think they will... That's like, very good. Yeah, they'll take that into consideration and they will refer you someone, maybe a lease or something, but they will... Yeah, because that's what... Then again, there could be... There could be ties to that other person yeah. and that's preventing them from using. But they may know somebody that they're not tied to, like a, another friend or another colleague or yeah. another family member that's not tied to this person. And they can refer you instead, right? Like, actually, another example, if you guys will humor me on this, is that I had a, uh, a friend of mine, a really close friend of mine, like the kind that, like, he'd be over at my house on Christmas dinner. That kind of, you know what I mean? Like, that kind of close. His nephew bought a house with his uh, wife. Well, back then, they weren't married. Um, and I remember they were talking to me about buying the house, or he was talking to me. Then all of a sudden, we went out to dinner, and he sat me down, and he says, look, he goes, here's a situation. We want to put an offer on a house we saw. Um, I want to use you, but, you know, his girlfriend at the time had a, a client of hers, of her business, that was a realtor and was the listing agent of that house. Um, he still wanted to use me for the buying side, but uh, she was adamant because it was her client that they had to use that other person. And you know what? At the end of the day, <laughs> he's got to live with her. So if he does something and anything goes wrong, He's in a bad spot because he's trying to push something. So nobody's going to put a wedge in their relationship over what realtor they're going to use. So obviously, clearly in that circumstance, he had no choice. He went, he had to go, he went with, with her, her, like her friend. Can't fault him. At least he was honest. He could have just bought the house, never told me anything. Could have just told me he was renting another house. I would have never known. But he was honest. Yeah. It's not personal. It has nothing to do with you being new. No. It's just the bad timing. Yeah. And that, that's the way it happens sometimes. Now, some, Yeah, exactly. That's just the way it is. Okay. Moving on to... That's a, an interesting question. Number eight. Oh. Okay. You want to read it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting married next year. Me and my partner mm -hmm. are considering buying a home together. We are both working and, and can afford to make a mortgage payment. But my parents are putting down the down payment for us and concerned with what happens to their down payment should something happen to our relationship or marriage. They don't mind putting down the down payment, but should the relationship not work, they want the money back. What do we do to make sure their wishes are honored? That's a very interesting question. I've, I've Yeah. Because <laughs> it's sticky and it's, it's, it's very sticky and tricky. I think this is... I'm trying to push it to you and you're pushing it back. <laughs> but you're the married one. <laughs> I, I can't answer that. Uh, I can't answer, won't answer because you might not be in trouble if you yes. say the wrong thing. I don't want to be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, this is very, very, very um, interesting. I agree with you. Um, and there's many, many ways to attack this. There's no one answer. Um, one thing you could possibly do, and as an opportunity, is your parents may want to go on title. Uh, yeah, go on title. And it's possible because when you register on title, there's two different ways to do it. There's uh, tenants in common, which basically mean everybody on title has a percentage and their ownership of that percentage. So they can do it that way. 
where what ends up you and your spouse could be just say just say their their down payment is uh, equivalent to 10% as an example so you can have a tenants in common where you and your spouse can be 90% owners and your parents could be 10% owners so at time of sale that 10% would automatically go to them regardless because the lawyers will just split it that way because it's tenants in common. It's not 100% ownership. Is it tenants in common? Did I use the right one? There's two different ones. Tenants in common, one's joint. One's joint, joint one's separate. Yes. Yeah, yes. I forgot the term. I think tenants in common is, one, is the right term. I just don't remember the normal one. Um, versus having it just you and your spouse to, on title. And then they have to go by your word because should a split happen and it goes in the court, it can get kind of messy. Yeah. The second opportunity option, which to be honest, I'm less favorable in, but uh, it is an opportunity, is that you can have an agreement in writing amongst the three of you, you, your spouse, and your parents, drawn up through a lawyer with the agreement that X amount of dollars goes to them first upon a sale, regardless of your status. Yes. So that's an opportunity. Um, to do it that way, and then probably less friction if it's done that way than the way I said, because the way I originally said, you know, it's kind of like they're sticking their nose in there. But, but the way I said is almost guaranteed that they're protected. There's no real, basically doing the tenants in common and then being entitled for that 10%. There is no legal battle later. There is no fighting it. There's no contesting it. Yeah. Um, that's the rock solid way of doing it. It might just make things awkward with your relationship, um, whether it's your relationship with them or relationship with your spouse, because sometimes when things are that firm, people take that personal. Yeah. Um, but it's the rock solid way of doing it. The um, other alternative, like I said, is just do an agreement with the lawyer where all three of you sign. That, I think those are the easiest way of doing it. And then always consult the lawyer. Yeah. And see what they say because... Again, yeah, I think even going to the lawyer, lawyer and they'll then... tell you the best option with the, the least um, issues or the least headaches after the fact. Um, Number nine. Yeah. Okay, I'll read this one and you can answer it. My mortgage is coming due in September of this year. I have recently lost my job and with interest rates going up, I'm not sure how that will affect my renewal. If I don't find a job with the same income and my renewal comes up, is it a problem if I switch companies or is it, or is there a renewal that I can sign and not have to worry about them asking me questions like when I originally applied? Um, good chances. This won't be an issue. I'm sure I will find something that's going to be acceptable by then, but how much time would I have to be at that job for the mortgage company to still be willing to renew? Um, I don't think you should, there's no concern because if, if, if you're willing to renew with them, it's just a matter of they send you the new uh, rate and the new documents for the new mortgage. And if you accept it, you can just sign it. And if you don't accept it, then you go and shop around and find a better rate. That's when you're going to need to reapply for the new better rate. But if it's just a matter of your renewal, it's just whatever they are offering you for the new term, if you're accepting it, then you can just sign it. And you don't need to reapply with income and all that stuff. They might ask for an ID, like your driving license, if, you, if, if, if what they have was expired or something, but that's about it. That's, that's from my experience. I don't think you should worry about that at all. Um, in terms of the requirements there, I'm the worst person to ask because I've never renewed a mortgage before. <laughs> right? I mean, I started off with no mortgage, and as I expand, I had my, my first mortgage. Right. So this is the first time I've ever had a mortgage. So I don't know. <laughs> I've never experienced the renewal part, but um, going based on what I've learned um, in terms of one thing I did learn in terms of getting a new job. If you're looking, if you're looking to switch companies because you want to find a better rate and you don't want to renew at the offer they give you um, from what I've been told from a mortgage broker, you don't have to be there for a year or two years. Like everybody thinks you just have to be there past the uh, probation period one like whatever probation period that company has whether it's 90 days six months whatever the probation period is the day after you pass the probationary period you are eligible yeah um and that's if you get a new job 
And in terms of uh, renewal, I can't honestly answer because I've never had a renewal. No, it, they'll send you three months prior to the end of the term. They'll send you the paperwork for the renewal. And you can go through it, and if you're okay with the rates they're providing you and all the details, then you can go find you and you're accepting the offer. Maybe you just send them back to you. And when that term is ended, then you can start. So it's not like you're being fired. Again, it's just, it's just if you decide to go shop around and you're going to get a rate, then that's when you're being fired. Yeah. My suggestion in that case, though, do not tell them that you are not employed. Yeah, just say it. If, if you're okay with what they're offering, just yeah, yes. I mean, again, I don't know the terms there, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Number 10. Oh, this one's sticky for a realtor. I saw a house that came on the market and wanted to go see it. I called my agent and she said that she was away for a week. I said, oh, should I call the number on the sign? She said, no. If I did that, we had an agreement and I would end up having to pay her the commission anyways. I did not know what to do. I did not end up going, and I think I lost the opportunity. This agent said she wouldn't be back until the weekend, and we can go resume our search next Monday. I'm not sure I am comfortable with using this agent anymore. My wife and I need someone who's going to be there. I mean, he's going to be able to show us the homes we are seriously looking. Uh, no, so show us the homes as we are seriously looking. Okay. Can I work with someone else? Or am I really stuck with this person? What are my options? Okay, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> so, okay, so if you don't feel comfortable working with this realtor anymore, you need to uh, terminate the buyer representation agreement and there is no fees for that or anything. You just let that realtor know that I, we have decided to terminate our agreement and we are going to work with someone else. Um, and then the realtor should, can't just do anything but accept that because that's, that's your decision. Um, now, in terms of if, if the realtor was, in, was out of the country, um, usually they send a colleague from their office or from their team to cover for that specific showing for the time they're not in the country or available. And then when they're back on Monday, resume searches normally. This way you don't, you don't, miss, um, you don't miss that opportunity. So even if the, another um, agent um, takes you to the showing from the same brokerage or from the same team, they usually get compensated from your realtor. That's like, like that, nothing to do with the buyer, but at least you got to see it and they just show it to you and that's it, they, they leave, but they showed you the property. So I, I'm not sure why your agent didn't send, uh, ask for one of their colleagues to, to show you the property during that time or even even prepare for all, your, all their clients when they're away. That's what I would do usually. When I'm away, I actually ask just... Prior to that, I asked a few agents if they're willing to help to cover a few showings for me when I'm away, and they're always there to help, and I'm, I do the same thing for them. So this way, our clients don't miss on anything. So that's that's my point. So if you don't feel comfortable, you can just terminate the buyer agreement and, and move on. To add to that, I mean, even part of our rules say that if we are going to be away from our clients for more than two hours we have to have a secondary option for them, somewhere they can reach out and reach someone if it's not you. We're supposed to be prepared for something like this. This is part of our fiduciary duty mm -hmm. to make sure that there's someone there looking after you because we have a contract to say that we were going to be working and looking after your best interests. Going on vacation and not having options for you with an excuse of just wait is not doing their duty towards you and looking after your interests. That's looking after their own interests. Now, I agree, you can terminate your agreement if you're uncomfortable talking to the agent because you're just angry and just do not want to see that agent again and you do not want to talk to them. You do not want to deal with them or argue with them or even have any kind of confrontation with them. You can call the office and ask for the broker of record and then explain your situation to the broker of record and let that person know that you want to be released from the agreement. Then this way, that broker record could be involved and you bypass the whole connection to that agent. That is totally up to you if you're feeling uncomfortable. And it's your choice. Um, if you want to give the person a second chance, that's an opportunity as well. Totally up to you. Based on the question, I think that's not the option you want. 
So the option is you can go directly and ask for them to cancel the agreement, or you can just go to the broker of record and say, I want out. Yeah. And there's no fees or anything. So No. <laughs> so the only time that that may be an issue is if you go back and see the homes that the agent already showed you, then they're entitled to a commission regardless because there's a holdover period. Yes. But if you're, if chances are in this market, whatever she's shown you, it's sold. So that's not going to be an issue. Properties are selling within the same day, day two, three days. Yeah. Or so, yeah. yeah so chances are that's not a problem. I, just, I'm just not sure why they didn't ask for someone to, to just cover that showing, just specifically cover that showing. Like that would be the easiest way in, if in my situation. Yeah. That, that's usually abnormal. Yeah. Right. So is what it is. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't, I can't speak for other people. But yeah, in terms of the market, I mean, I've, uh, I've got a couple of lease listings coming out. I find the inventory has been really yeah, disgusting. Yeah, it's miserable. Yeah. The inventory we have right now has been lowest since 10, 20 years. Yeah, that, that's, it's kind of crazy. Way low, way low. So like, we, we need more listings. We need more listings. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Guys, if you have thought about or are thinking about selling your home in the near future, reach out to us because more than likely we can get you a buyer before it even hits the market. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Anything, by the way, now, right now is crazy. Condos, before it used to be only the, 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 the houses and townhouses that was crazy and the condos was, was okay. Now even condos are crazy. So yeah. there's literally nothing to buy right now. Like, <laughs> And the appreciation Minimum over option. the last couple of years has been ridiculous. Yes. Right? Like somebody, like somebody mentioned the other day and said... Every month, this jumping. Yeah. Every like, month. Somebody reached out and said, like, said to me, I got $800,000 and I want to buy a detached home. Where can I buy a detached home? Sudbury. <laughs> Sudbury, yeah. That's a part. I didn't even think of that. But like, but, like four hours from here. That's what I'm... My, my point is... Not, see, I should ask you. I should have asked you because I didn't think of that because I told them to buy an F NFT because that's <laughs> going to be the closest they're going to find. <laughs> no, I, what I meant is within three hours to four hour radius from the city, it's just out of, it's not that many options out there. No, yeah. no, definitely. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, again, not for 800,000. Like, and, that, and it's sad because a year ago, yeah. even as far as a year ago, I found someone at home a year ago. Ah. A bungalow on top of that for 600000 And now, a year later, maybe a year and a half later, they're asking me, what can I buy for 800000 My answer is an NFT or a Ferrari. Right? Because it's just, it's nuts. Yeah, it's nuts. Right? That's the way it is. I mean, like, Let's I mean, there's see. opportunity. I think London might have some options. Yeah. But, it, but it's, it's minimal. Busy. It's also busy, yeah. It's minimal. And, may, and again, I'm looking on the MLS. That, those London things might be underpriced. They are. And, yeah. And yeah, so it yeah. might go over that 800 as well. I mean, yeah. I can't guarantee but it. maybe Windsor is an option too. Windsor, yes. Yeah. Windsor and Sudbury. Like you said, you might be able to find a home for 800,000. Yeah. Um, again, just get in the market. 800,000, you can still find a townhouse. That might be the opportunity. And I believe in most cases, it's going to be a condominium townhouse, not even a freehold. Because free it depends where Niagara, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it depends Niagara where, region, of yes, or St. Catharines, you'll find that you can find a freehold for eight hundred. Yes, um, it'll be very close, very tight, but uh, but possible. So things are changing every week, like yeah, week by week, and people are getting so desperate, and they're just throwing money at the seller, and it's still not working. It's true. Well, what do you think of like I saw the stat that said twenty five percent of the home buys are from investors. Yeah, I believe it's more than 25%. Because because huge, from what I'm seeing, when we, we go put an offer on any property, um, let's say we have 17, 18 offers, um, a lot of them are, are people who own home or properties, and they just they just took equity because when the when the interest rate dropped so so much, the refinance took two or 300,000 out of their home, and then they're buying second, whether it's for kids or for investment rental property. So... I believe more than 25% from what I'm seeing because when you look at after all those offers and you look how much the next thing, how much the problem is, you'd be like, that we didn't even think of that amount. Like, how did it reach that amount? Yeah. So the only possible explanation is someone who, 
who just have equity and they're just using because for the first time home buyer they, they just save their down payment dollar by dollar every day from their jobs. It's not possible. Yeah, well, that's the thing, right? Here's the other thing. Like, this is the way I, I've looked at it. Look, like, we're going to even look at the first time home buyers. In the last two years, I would say 50% of the first time home buyers that I've had have gotten the money from their parents yeah. for the down payment. Yeah. Um, the second thing is that when we were looking at these prices and how much, you know, like, because one thing is, for example, if the home is listed for 800000 and the uh, market value is one3 as an example, when you that person comes in at 1.5, you've got to get qualified by that mortgage for the 1.5. And when that mortgage company sees that the, uh, that the value is 1.3, they're not going to give you the extra 200,000. They're going to say, you're going to have to figure that out on your own. Yeah. So what normal home buyer looking for the home to move in has not used the money they have towards the down payment? Where are they going to get the extra 200? Right? So what ends up happening is the only person who's going to get away with, you know, that appraisal is going to be an investor who's got multiple people with money injected into the investment where they indirectly have an unlimited budget. And what I mean by unlimited, I mean, I'm not going to pay, uh, pay $20 million for a $2 million home, but someone who's a big investor with multiple people in, behind them investing with them, yeah. they're investing for the long term. Chances are... They're buying multiple properties, not just one. And they probably got that $200,000 is probably only 10% of what they have sitting in the bank anyways. Yeah. So going up that 200000 is so minimal to them compared to the person who needs a home to live in, who got approved for one2 $1.3, and they got a $100,000 deposit. Right? Like, like it's different ball game. So, of course, if you're competing with an investor, the investor is going to, you know, win out, right? Because, like I said, virtually their budget is unlimited now. So, it is what it is. Um, you got to keep trying. I, I encourage people to not be discouraged. Sometimes what you could do is look for uh, properties that are off market. Like one suggestion I have is when you're driving in the city and you see a sign that says coming soon or exclusive, that means it's not on the MLS. Get your agent to call the agent on that sign and see if you can arrange something to see it before it even hits the market. Maybe there's an opportunity there. Yeah. That's one suggestion, one tip I have. Uh, other than that, just keep fighting. What can I say? Okay. Right? I mean, Until things we did have get better. more homes for sale on the market, it's going to be like this. Yeah, once the, mar once the market builds up, I think we'll be a lot better. Well, guys, that's today's edition of the Q&A. We're going to be back in two weeks. I hope this was uh, helpful and valuable for you.